Hey, I'm Marina. And I'm Emily. And I've seen everything in the Sex and the City Empire 10,000 times. And I'm starting fresh. So I'll be woman-splaining the show. And I'm along for the ride. But there's a twist. We are starting with and just like that and working our way back to the beginning. So in other words, we're watching it backwards and in high heels. This is City and the Sex. Hey there, sexy lizard. I know you are try- about to say, hey there, it's Che Diaz. I know oh, you were no. about to. I didn't even think of that. I just was like, I was about to be like, sexy boy. And then I was like, what, a- Marina, where are we going? And then I threw lizard in there. So, okay. so I did my best. So you went actually somewhere I can't even follow. I don't even know. Nope. I did my best. I did my best. And... It, the, it was the voice, the tone was, was hey, it's Che Diaz. So I, che Diaz. I was like, don't, don't you start. We got we to gotta build <laughs> up to that. Don't you start. I'm just trying to be more like my icon and role model, Che Diaz. Oh, my God. Um, Canceled. Well, we do get a lot of Che in, do we? Well, we do. Oh, God. Get a lot of Che in this year episode, and just like that, season one, episode six. Yay. Now, yep. I'm interested to hear your one word because long time ago when we were talking about this show and I'd shown you a couple clips, we had seen that there was an episode called Diwali and you were like, I can't wait to see how they handle that. So what's your one word slash how you feeling? <laughs> slash how am I doing? Um, I can't wait to talk about this. I've I've given lots of thought about this. This was all I was doing in the shower earlier today was me just being like, <laughs> how am I going to talk about this? What am I going to say? Um, when it should have been me doing my homework and coming up with a one word description of this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would say my one word is... Um, hmm. Uh, they they have this line where she says it's not cultural appropriation it's cultural appreciation and I'm actually gonna make that my word is cultural appreciation okay Ooh. <laughs> that's my tease Icky. <laughs> my one word is hot topics in the voice of Wendy Williams <laughs> that's a good one that's great this episode is like trying to really hit all the major like hot topics cultural appropriation like you mentioned um it's trying to touch on like what it means to be lgbtq it's trying to touch on uh like lily's child who's you know discovering their gender fluidity like this episode in particular is like we googled the controversial topics of 2022 and we're gonna hit them all like a pinball machine a writer's assistant literally just came into the writer's room with a list and they're like i got what i got what you needed they're like thanks billy put it in the episode yeah Yeah. you're still unpaid but thanks billy thanks billy hey well let's get into it yeah i'm scared you're scared it's i i think you'll be surprised what i have to say about this and that's gonna be my tease man so this will be another episode where I think we'll go just scene by scene only because um, 
it culminates in kind of like a big scene of all the gals together at the end. So I think this will make more sense. But um, we start with Carrie and Anthony apartment shopping at this big, I called it in my notes, industrial prison downtown, because that's what it looks like. The fake NYC in the background is very distracting. It is it is pretty funny. Um, I mean, it's it's a fun callback to this show's original runtime, I feel like, in terms of production quality. It is a little funny. Yeah. Um, they're talking about the apartment and how Carrie feels about it. And then we get to Seema, who's on the phone with her dad talking about, you know, um, the dad's kind of checking in to make sure that she bought her sorry for the upcoming Diwali party at their house. And... Um, we kind of learn that her parents are very precious about making sure that she gets married and is happy and that that's kind of like an ongoing tension with Seema, despite the fact that she's, you know, incredibly successful and whatever. Um, there's also a great line here from Anthony when uh, he's telling Carrie about how having sex in his apartment feels weird now that Stanford is gone, like to have sex in the same bed. And then he's, and then Carrie's kind of like disgusted by it. And then he's like, well, buckle up princess. I'm rebounding. A funny line. <laughs> Just a funny way to say that. A good line. That, 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 that gets a ding for sure. That gets a ding. Um, so then Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda all meet up at dinner and Carrie's like, I don't know if I love the apartment. And Miranda's like, well, if you don't love it, you don't have to get it. And Carrie's like, well, too late. Cause I bought it. <laughs> I mean, We've discussed Carrie's ambiguous financial situation before, so I won't beat the dead horse here, but there's so many things about this plot with the the house and her not adjusting to the house where I'm like, in another world, this would have been a relatable plot, but just the scenario, the initial premise of her just kind of on a whim buying this very expensive house only because, and she's going to say this, is like she kind of felt bad that they've been taking so long. And so she clearly didn't like it and bought it anyway. I just can't relate to that. You know what I mean? Like immediately yeah. off the bat, I'm like, I can't get into the all the little hijinks that are going to happen from this house because I'm like, I'm so stuck on the fact that you just like bought this and then you're like, eh, okay. You know, like I just can't relate yeah. to this level of, of living anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm also like, I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but the, the the like freewheeling that they do about real estate in this episode makes no sense. You can't just like buy an apartment and then two days later be like, JK, I don't want it. It's not like a fucking purse. Like, yeah. And it's, anyway. it's not even a, a Seema being like, well, I sensed that you weren't actually happy with it. And so I didn't actually sign the papers or like something like that, where she ends up being like, yes, the contract actually hasn't been signed. I was just letting you have a couple days in it, you know, because you're my friend or whatever. You know, there's, there's no explanation like that. She literally is like, okay, then we'll sell it, which that's such a good fix. That's such a good fix because they're trying to sell us that like Carrie and Seema are like besties. And that would be like, I would be like, wow, man, like Seema really is starting to know Carrie. Mm. And then I also would believe a little bit more, yeah, their friendship and then her ability to like be a real estate agent. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like her, Carrie is so her, her clearly not competence. happy with this apartment. I just can't believe they bought it. She's so disgusted. Yeah. I can't believe it either. So we see Carrie. <laughs> There's literally just this like insert of this clip of like – Carrie at the old apartment reading a book just like being whimsical she's just like takes a deep breath 
I think she says something like, this isn't good for us. What is happening? Yeah. This whole <laughs> episode feels a little bit like a fever dream, which is kind of insane, especially coming off the heels of episode five. But like this one in particular, like a lot of fever dream feelings in this one. Very untethered. Untethered is a good word. I think we've used that before and we should use that again because that is a good word. <laughs> We're back here again. <laughs> um. So... Then we cut over to Charlotte world. She's with Lily and rock and they're, you know, late getting ready for school. And basically rock is like, I want to get rid of all the Madame Alexander dolls that you keep in my room. And I want to cover, you know, the hand painted rose that's on the wall. And I want to cut my hair and it's all these changes at once. And Charlotte's kind of like stumbled aback at all these different changes. I do love that they like go in on the Madame Alexander dolls as if those are like committing the most heinous yeah. cultural appropriation crime of all time. It's ironic. I'm like, yeah, I didn't know we were calling for the cancellation of Madame Alexander dolls. Yeah. It's a weird, again, I don't understand where he got this idea from that. These are what people are like going after. I don't even think kids like know what these dolls are. And even if they did, I don't think this would be the response to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think yeah. of them as, like, appropriative because I, I just don't. It's like a collector's item. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's not like a white person is dressed up as a culture. It's like, oh, these are American gold dolls, right? That was a thing from many years ago, I guess. You know, I wouldn't right. like it's not like in the collective consciousness of like, oh, this thing we need to rethink and reevaluate. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe I just don't know the full history of Madame Alexander dolls. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to read into it. But yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I'm if I'm very... being totally ignorant about what these dolls are. I did not understand. I... <laughs> we learned that they're like connected <laughs> to Jeffrey Epstein's they're... island. <laughs> <laughs> they're like made by a Nazi family or something. And there's like, like a totally torrid history. And we're like, I don't know. Who cares? I don't know. Um, well, that aside, I was pretty confused at Lily being like, these dolls basically should be canceled. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Um, but just a lot of changes going on. I love that the scene ends on a little button of the dog on the bed. And Charlotte says something like, oh, Richard Burton, like, thank God you're here. And he just like looks at the screen and it looks like for a fraction of a second, he's rolling his eyes. And all I wrote was dog is me. Dog is me. <laughs> <laughs> How do we make that dog your profile picture on the HBO Max account that that we share? Ooh, yeah, that's what we should figure out. Is this where we tell everyone that? So <laughs> I have a feeling this is why Zaslav won't call me back, okay. which is that Emily and I are committing some minor streaming fraud in that allegedly one could construe that sometimes Emily uses the same account. Don Don. And at, at one point we made a profile for Emily by we, I mean me. And uh, I wanted to choose a picture for Emily. And way before we started this podcast, like even before this podcast was a thing before any of this, I purposely made Emily's icon JTS. <laughs> I was upset because <laughs> I again it's like I hadn't seen this yet I just like knew of Che Diaz as the discourse or whatever and this was also I think in the height of like 
my real Batman hyperfixation that was happening. Because I think that's also why I wanted the Max account was to like watch the movies mm-hmm. again or the animated series so or whatever. So I was like, I'm so ready to get this account. And I was ready to go on and like make my account a Batman thing. And then I remember seeing someone else had Batman, someone else had another Batman character. You know, I'm going through, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I see mine. I'm like, is that... Is that Che fucking Diaz? And I I searched high and low for the settings to change it. And it just I do not have access to that somehow on my on my TV. So I just have to suffer. <laughs> Everyone else has like cute characters who are all beloved by the American public, and then I have war criminal Che Diaz. <laughs> Speaking of Che, before we get into this, this is where I'd like to drop that this is a Cynthia Nixon directed episode. Oh my God, you're right. We talked and about this. And this is the first time that she directs an episode for the Sex and the City and Media Empire. I don't think she actually has directed any other show. So correct me if I'm wrong, send the police. But this is definitely her first foray into directing on this show, um, which is like even funnier when we see these like Che Sauvage perfume ads in the white void being like, touch me kiss me (laughs) the white void is so funny there's like because there's something so peculiarly unsexy about it like if if there was anything again they they don't in her fantasies i'm sorry i'm like stumbling because this just like upsets me um every time we talk about this they in her fantasies they don't include the like hooting and hollering that was happening uh which i appreciate but i i do think it's funny that they have found a way to make this unsexy again and it is to put it in like a white void and have like shots of che facing the camera being like can i touch you <laughs> yeah, with like a zoom in on their mouth which is yeah. just so unsettling i don't like it i don't like it i and yeah i think that's the exact same reaction i had which is like the kitchen scene wasn't sexy to me but like i don't know i guess i could kind of see it then when you get the white void scenes you're like did they just i it, it robs the thing of its sexiness yeah exactly of what little sexiness it had right. it's just it's like it's so what is happening shot. yeah <laughs> it looks so clinical yes well it looks like they like died but not in a good way <laughs> well anyway miranda's having visions of che and naya interrupts her mid-class wet dream and is like are you okay and then they're like walking and then naya's like anyway i have this home for displaced women and children there was something about this scene that was like so clunky where i was like very bad exposition and we've had bad exposition before but we sort of waved it away as like well it's the pilot whatever whatever this was like really bad (laughs) this displaced home bit does i'm not gonna say pay off because it doesn't pay off it is relevant it but it's a classic, the classic thing that they do, which is that they'll drop a mention of one thing in one episode and then execute it in the next episode. But it's not like, oh, careful, like plotting or like, ooh, we're laying out the the path. Mm-hmm. It's just like a random thing that if you were watching, you would instantly forget two seconds later. Yeah. It and also then not remember. Yeah. Yeah, and it it also doesn't help that because it's an awkward exposition line, I feel like the actress like kind of swallows the line a little bit and just really quickly yeah. gets it out. So I only knew it because the subtitles were on, but she very quickly was like, "Yeah, you know, the home for displaced women and children." Like, so like, sort of like <laughs> mumbles it into her chest. You know what I mean? So I only knew it because I was reading it. I I think 
if you were just watching this, you probably weren't paying attention because you were thinking about Che's mouth saying, can I touch you? So you just totally <laughs> missed all of this plot development anyway. So whatever. It's giving. Have you seen Casper? What? The movie. The ghost? With Christina Ricci. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen this film? No. With Bill Pullman as her dad? No. Okay, well, real quick here. Uh, there was a movie. I think it must have been late 90s or maybe early 90s. Christina Ricci and Bill Pullman is her dad, and he's a ghost chaser. And essentially, they end up in this house with Casper and hijinks ensue. And there's a scene halfway through the movie where he's in bed with her as a ghost, and he says to her, like, can I keep you? And that's their, like, thing. What? And it's so weird and creepy. And the way that you just said that is, like, ugh. It's like, I didn't think about the white void as being Casper. But, like, yeah, why is this filmed like it's Casper? <laughs> Miranda, we're learning a lot about your fetishes that we don't really need to <laughs> I know. I don't want to know. That was her first crush know. was Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> Can I keep you? That's haunting. Is he a picture on (laughs) Max? Can you make it mine? Is it just Casper? I don't know if I can, but if I could, I'll do it tonight. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Also, we can move on, but I'm I'm still giggling at, um, you know, Casper that you said with no context at all, as if I would I had to just literally stun, just sitting here stunned, like you mean the friendly ghost? (laughs) Like what? What? You know Casper? My guy Casper, Sea Man. Yeah. (laughs) See <laughs> dog <you> know <laughs> he's out here rapping on tiktok right yeah exactly <laughs> god casper he'd kill it on tiktok except for when he would post his asmr being like can i keep you <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that would do numbers though which i don't like he would, he would be successful yeah. unfortunately yeah he'd pull game he'd pull game for sure for sure for sure um Anyway, this scene culminates in Andre Rashad calling and Naya finding out that she has to go to dinner with Fertile Myrtle, who's their friend who has kids and is annoying about it. And I empathize with that. Yeah. Yeah. A a completely relatable, annoying person, not unreasonably annoying person. Yes. So Seema and Carrie are at the sorry shop. Hat watch. We got a big old dumb looking fedora. (laughs) Hat watch alert. <laughs> like, you scared me into coughing. <laughs> well, it's big and dumb and gray, and then she has, like, a matching gray coat. She looks like a fucking private eye. I'm like, what are you investigating these saris for? Nothing. Get out of here. Scram. Scram. As they say in, like, noir film. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what she looks like. Yeah, yeah. The fedora. She's in a noir yeah. film. And Simo's wearing a fucking kimono. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, she's wearing... It's one of those things where it's like the outfit I felt like worked and then there was a jacket that didn't. You know what I mean? Where you're like, it yeah. was one too many things. Yeah. Um, although I think on the back it had like a ginormous bejazzled tiger. So All right. I- I'll take it off their hands. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it allow me. I insist. <laughs> I insist. Um, and... Seema's kind of telling Carrie about this pressure that she feels from her parents to get married. There's this weird moment where Carrie's like, oh, why didn't you just get an arranged marriage? And Seema's like, I, you know, I've heard the speech from my parents many times about like, you know, 
you may not love somebody on first sight, you like grow into loving them. But like, if I have to do that, if I have to like, you know, convince myself of something, then like, I don't want to, I don't want to love that way. And then Carrie's like, yeah, love is like that. And so is zip lining. And I'll never get those Fendi shoes back. And I just want to be like, shut the hell up. What the <laughs> fuck does that have to do with fucking anything? <laughs> That's exactly. Thank you for putting that into words. Is just shut the fuck up. What? It's such an awkward line. I feel like they just knew they wanted a joke in there. Because I feel yes. like they were like, something about this is a little bit awkward and we need to like lighten it up. And so they have this weird forced thing about zip lining, which is not a relatable enough experience. You know what I mean? It's also, like something Carrie would never zip line. Yeah. She also would never zip line. So I have a hard time even imagining that she would zip line ever. Right. So, I, now I'm, I'm thinking like, about that. And I want I have questions of who tricked her into doing that. Exactly. I'm like, stick to your damn clues. Maybe that's the investigation you need to find out is who the fuck put you on a zip line. Right. Exactly. What What were you doing there in the jungle? She said something like <laughs> in the jungle, too. I'm like, you didn't go to a jungle. <laughs> I'm like, are you talking about New Jersey? Yeah, he's said zip lining in, in Six Flags. <laughs> I mean, knowing her. So once we get over that, then we enter what you mentioned at the beginning of this conference call, which was... This conference call that we're doing. This meeting that we're having. <laughs> this meeting that we're having. This corporate meeting. Um, Seema is like, I'd rather just go to this thing alone. And then Carrie's like, well, you don't have to go alone. Like you could take me, which like is a threat. And then Seema's like, um, yeah, why not? And then Carrie's like, well, I don't know if I can like wear these saris. And Seema's like, well, you're coming to my parents' house for traditional celebration. So you wearing these outfits is not cultural appropriation. It's cultural appreciation. And then says, I think she says, and, and it matters, I think she says, like, there was a sorry back there that, like, I wanted to appreciate or something like that. They dropped the word yes. sorry specifically. Um, yes. Which is important. So I think a couple of things that I want to jump in here and, and mention. So first of all, the celebration that her family is doing, right, is is Diwali. And so she spends some time here, I think, talking about the holiday and how it's like light triumphing triumphing over dark and that's going to be the kind of vague inspiration i think for carrie and her like live laugh love plot of this episode is to like have the light triumph over the dark of getting over big kind of you know what i mean i think that's sort of what the they're trying to do anyway a couple things that i want to say people noticed it was a little weird that carrie doesn't know what diwali is and i will say like like some people had a reaction to it of like as a lifelong New Yorker you should probably have like been aware of this by now you know what I mean like it's it's you're in New it like I think New York City has the largest population like Indian American population in the states um of all the cities anyway so it was like really you don't know what it is I will say for devil's advocate, I actually believe that Carrie would be the lifelong New Yorker who like doesn't know because she's like someone who like, let's look at her friends. You know, they're right. sort of have a particular look to them. I wonder what it could be. And then also like <laughs> she's someone who doesn't go on the subway, right? They've like made that a point. Yeah. She doesn't do things that don't involve like a cab. She just like she's a very sheltered person. 
despite like really yes. loving New York, her exploring the city is like her walking up and down the Upper East Side, like going to a cafe. That's like the most exploring I've ever seen. So like I actually could believe that Carrie doesn't know what it is. So that's the one thing I'll say there. And then number two, I think people also took issue with um, the conversation you mentioned of Seema, and we're going to come back to this at the party, having issues with the parents over the marriage situation and their conversation about a arranged marriage here. It's like, it is still a thing. Um, I think some people don't want to admit it, but like it is still very common, um, like even in my generation. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you like have to, it's like getting set up by your parents with the other, you don't have to like, you're not signing marriage license before you like meet the person. You know what I mean? Um, So the way they talk about it seems sort of confusing to me. It's not that different from like your friend setting you up. I don't know. Um, but they talk about it as like this weird foreign thing. And then she's like, I'm going to be progressive and say no to that. And it, I think people took issue with the like framing around that as just kind of like not ideal. Um, but I, I will, you know, I, I will say like it is still common. The people who are like, this is such a stereotype of Indian families, whatever. And it's true. It is a stereotype like Indian matchmaking and Indians are so obsessed with marriage and all these sorts of things like that is a stereotype. There is also some truth to it. <laughs> Like it's like it is. Um, so I don't think it's like inaccurate. I do do think it is a little tiring to see like Indian characters. Whenever we learn more mm-hmm. about their backstory or conflicts, it's like kind of always marriage related. You know, it's like almost always. And if not, it's like my parents wanted me to be a doctor and I don't want to be a doctor. You know, it's like, yeah, we've seen this kind of done before. You know, I sort of don't care if it's like accurate or not. At this point, I'm just kind of like bored of it. It's a little tropey. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they don't really do anything with it. Yeah. Because, I guess, spoiler alert, I don't think that this parent's business comes back ever again. It's not in season two. No. Maybe it comes back again in season one, and I'm just not remembering, and we'll see how that unfolds. But, like, that's my thing is, like, I mean, not that I am speaking for the culture in any way but you're right in that that is a pretty like stereotypical thing that's brought out but they don't really do anything with it i feel like this was an attempt to say like we're gonna see more of sema behind the scenes but they didn't think too long about it and then moved on quick because for obvious reasons they're not that attached to it i think there was a part of their brain that was like this is a fun fashion moment for carrie right I mean, so we like don't care. That that you mean so also... like this is more more about the fashion moment, so we don't care that much about the like. I think they were like, oh, two birds, one stone. Like we'll bring up this like fun, you know, celebration, and mm. it'll like reveal more about Seema's backstory, and also uh, Carrie gets a good fashion moment, right? And I'll also say that there was something that didn't maybe sit right with me the first time, and I th- realized what it was, which is that. In the original Sex in the City, we never see anyone's family. There's one episode where Charlotte has a brother, and there's one episode where Miranda's mother dies, and we meet her, like, sister, but they are contained to, like, one episode, and that's it. And it was, like, that's, like, I don't know how many episodes of the TV show there are, but out of, like, whatever, 100 episodes, like, we saw two family members. That's it. And it was, like, kind of a point that, like, they didn't have family, and... I'm not saying that like nobody else can have family or whatever, but it was kind of, I think that's like for me as a viewer, I guess was the weird, weird thing about this whole thing was like seeing these parents so much and then like being like, why does it feel weird to see one of their parents? (laughs) 
That's a really interesting point. So then Carrie and Charlotte go to visit Carrie's storage unit that has all of her, you know, apartment stuff from the apartment with Big um, to see if they can find some stuff to make the industrial prison a bit more homey. And, um, you know, she's like apprehensive. We have another dumb hat here. She's like wearing this like weird flowery bucket hat that looks like from the 90s. And I hate it. And (laughs) eloquently put, I know. And um, (laughs) Carrie's like, I'm dating my apartment. And she's kind of scared to go through the boxes. And at first they find this cute lamp. And then they find yet another dumb hat. And then she stumbles across the box full of Big's records. And she gets overwhelmed, I guess, with her feeling for Big and her missing him yeah and I, I mean i and i bought it it was a good performance it was great and then you know yeah i agree um then carrie's in her new home wearing the sun hat preparing some food and beeping commences that won't stop and she has a whole comedy bit because she thinks it's the dishwasher so she keeps trying to close the dishwasher and like the beeping is still happening anthony calls with Hot topic number two. And he's like, Stanford and I had planned to get his and his facelifts, but now Stanford isn't here. So you need to come with me. And Carrie's like, sure. Again, it's like, there's something here that's, it's not bad exactly. It's just like, I can't, I'm not enjoying it. Even though there's like something related about like, what's that annoying beeping? You know, it's like, that should be a really relatable, funny moment. And yet I'm like not having fun. I think because I'm like too distracted by the problems of, oh, I accidentally bought this super expensive, fancy apartment on a whim and it has so much sunlight that I need to wear a sun hat indoors. You know, there's like, there's something so removed from, you know, our reality that it's hard to like sympathize with Carrie. You know what I mean? It was such an avoidable problem, I think, to begin with, but of just like, just don't buy this million dollar house. But there's something about it where I I was like, I'm actually like not... I'm thinking I'm over the house bit in the beeping. Yes. Me as well. Because I just like, I feel that this house is not going to last. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, okay. Um, I'm also like, I think this, we'll get into it more, obviously, when we get to the actual plastic surgery consultation. But this whole plot, while it's good, and that like, I understand why they would write something like this. It's like such a random detour like Carrie has like three plots in this episode she Mm -hmm. has like do I fit in this apartment Diwali with um Seema and this plastic surgery plot with Anthony and they try to artfully connect all of these but doesn't quite connect at the end yeah it's it's a little too busy and it's it's like all these three separate ideas and then they try to make it tie it together with the end just like that at the end and I don't think it really works it's like it only works for the plastic yeah. surgery plot the other two are just not really related to this and I think they could have devoted more time to Seema and like yeah. understanding as we said that relationship which is just kind of like a drive-by but yeah we still anyway. haven't seen them be friends really I mean we've right. like seen them interact as friends but I haven't seen them get closer for any reason you know exactly um, we see Naya at dinner with Andre Rashad and the two friends and she like Miranda gives her this pep talk being like you should just like change the conversation when the kids come up so she like tries to change the conversations to talking about like how the restaurant is in like an old shoe factory um, 
and Andre is like passive aggressively being like, calm down. Like no one cares about the shoes. And I'm like, it's poor really Naya. Rude. So rude. I'm like, oh, God, I can't wait for this relationship to be over. Yeah. I just, I mean, as we've discussed, he's, you know, he's my trigger. <laughs> it's like he's- everything he does makes me mad. Just seeing him again makes me mad. And yeah, him just kind of nagging her a little bit is just weird. It's, oh, God, blood boiling. And then Fertile Myrtle reveals that she's pregnant with the third child. There's this like horrific interaction where Andre Rashad says to the guy, slow down, brother, give someone else a shot which is like gross i understand like the sentiment of like slow down like uh but it's so weird and then the the fertile myrtle's husband like says something being like you gotta pick up the slack and thankfully they wrote in that fertile myrtle is like hey don't say that like that's rude Mm -hmm. because i thought that they were just gonna keep that in raw and i was gonna be like this is one of the worst relationships i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) like why are you friends with these people but thankfully they caught their ass this time they just fixed it at the last minute okay all right and i also hate that andre brings up the ivf to them i know he's like we forget about our second round and yeah uh, like puts her on the spot being like because we know that this is a kind of contentious thing with them and he sort of puts her on the spot by like saying to the other couple well, we've been thinking about another round of IVF. So like already setting her up to be the like quote unquote bad guy who is going to say, no, I actually don't want to do it. And she cuts him off and is like, well, you know, it's been so hard on my body and we're just trying to find the right timing or something like that. And it was just so rude of him to like kind of throw her to the wolves like that. That's a conversation that you guys have in private and you don't like force someone to say yes to it by bringing it up in public. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Rude as hell. Kill him with fire. Um, <laughs> we cut to another scene of Carrie at her home with the beeping. Great. Great. Then we cut to Miranda going hard on our vibrator, Jesus. thinking again about Che's perfume ad. Right. And then poor Brady tries to interrupt. Oh, my God. I can't. Brady. I hate that she, like, comes while she answers to him. Yeah. I... <sighs> just look it's already like an awkward situation (laughs) but all we (laughs) needed to do was like have the ending or funny moment or whatever be like and then brady ruined the moment you know what i mean and then she like can't finish or something like that that's what you'd think would be happening and based on the way that it's played it's like oh that's what you think is happening she's getting there she's getting there she's getting there and then her son comes and knocks on the door and kills all the sexy whatever Sexy vibes. Mm -hmm. Like, that in itself is like, ha-ha, whatever. That's a funny moment. That's the end of the scene. No, no. They decide to take the most unhinged option, which is to have her come anyway, but while she's talking to him through the door. And is like, because he's like asking, he's like, I'm going to go over to Louisa's house or something like that. And she's like, okay, but you have a math tutor in the morning. Like, she's talking to him. Yeah. It's horrifying, Marina. That's her son. And Cynthia Nexon had to direct herself doing this. <laughs> I feel like Michael Patrick King picked this episode for her to direct as like somewhat of a fuck you. I don't know. I don't mm. know how you say like, okay, you're going to direct that episode where you um, come while telling your son about how he has to go to his math tutor. 
yeah, this will be fun. Let's make her do this. Let's make her responsible for this. There's so many other episodes where Miranda has little to do. Couldn't she direct that episode as opposed to this? Although alternatively, does that mean that she's the one who was like, I'm going to deliver this not as someone who had their moment ruined, but I'm going to deliver this as if I'm coming? Like, is that her decision or the scriptwriter's <laughs> decision? Because like, maybe she's in on this and is like, this is great. This is great television. People will think that this is funny. Going back to your thesis of a lot of these horrifying moments is like not them trying to upset us. It's them thinking that it's funny, but it's not. Yeah. I think they thought this was funny. It's just a shame that it's not. (laughs) I don't like it. I mean, listen, you know, they like to profile things we've never seen. And I don't think I've ever seen somebody coming while telling their son to do something. No, wait, that came out of my mouth wrong. That isn't right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, what did I say? Oh, man. Then we cut to Naya and Andre having violent sex. <laughs> it's just it's the just misery never end. And does everyone have sex the see. same way on this show? Is just like screaming. Yes, just loud. Does no one have like tender? Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, only Carrie, only Sarah Jessica Parker, because Sarah Jessica Parker was like, I will not scream come, and I refuse. And it's probably in her contract. That's why everybody else has to do it. All right. all right (laughs) but you're correct everybody else has to fucking scream grunt in like very aggressive positions yeah like yeah we cut to carrie she's in bed waking up the morning with the beeping the block continues then carrie and anthony go to the plastic surgery consultation where they meet with jonathan groff jonathan groff who is the plastic surgeon. Um, He's very good in this. I mean, it's once again a guest star that kind of like, I feel like, breathes air into the show a little bit. Like Rachel Dratch was in, um, what was that? It was like the Snow Widowcon episode. Yeah, yeah, the Widowcon. Um, yeah, yeah. I felt like this where I was like, here is a person who understands the assignment and nobody else on the show knows the assignment. Like nobody else knows what that they're on a comedy show. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, and Jonathan he managed is like, to make this scene funny. Exactly. And I don't, I think a less gifted comedic actor would be able to make something out of these lines. They would just play it completely straight as just like, I'm here to be hot doctor. You know what I mean? But he like makes it very <laughs> funny. Yeah. Although there's like something about the way that he like slaps Anthony's leg and is like, you're hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is incredibly unprofessional <laughs> oh it is it is but in, in in usually when i say unprofessional things on this show i'm like time to call hr here i just think yeah. it's funny <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. he's not appropriate as a doctor to be clear um i love that he has this bit complaining about a young person <gasps> um oh yeah his like assistant who sucks and can't do anything yeah and i was like even this it's like a classic michael patrick king play of like a young 20-something who is dumb and I hate them. Good but catch. Jonathan Groff seems to make them endear. I'm endeared. Yeah, because he doesn't actually seem... He has this sort of like, oh, my silly assistant. Because he has such a graceful way of delivering all of his lines as this like suave plastic surgeon. He's like, oh, 
I guess she messed up my schedule. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's not bitter at her or rolling his eyes at her. Once again, just applause all around. And I don't know how much of this is Cynthia Nixon's directing or Jonathan Groff just took it and ran with it. But like, he knows what show he's he's on and he's having fun. And I'm glad that one person involved in this is having fun. Because it ain't me. Yeah, because the scene on paper is like somewhat reprehensible because yeah. basically it's like Anthony you're fine because you're a dude yeah. and Carrie we need to redo your whole face because society just isn't nice to women which is an absurd thing for a plastic surgeon to, to say. say to you yeah because he like, yeah because she's literally like oh but what about me doctor and then he hesitantly lists like 10 things <laughs> yeah and you can see yeah. her face falling, you know, she's like, you know, and then I, you know, I just like that it gets more and more involved into Carrie and it is a funny bit that like she went to support Anthony and then ends up being the like, yeah, the target of the plastic surgeon. Yeah. I do love though that when he pulls up like the before and after projection on the wall, it's just like a young picture of Carrie Bradshaw. It's yeah, it's funny. I could tell. It's yeah. Just I was like, like, I could tell that's just, that's just an old picture from sex in the city. <laughs> yeah. That's just her. Also, everyone should go shout out to Jonathan Groff. Everyone should go see Merrily Roll On while it's still in theaters. It's there till March. But then the whole episode culminates in this big pivotal scene between Miranda, Charlotte and Carrie. It starts with Carrie kind of debriefing from the plastic surgery, being like, now I have to do all these things. And Miranda's like, you don't have to change anything. Like, plastic surgeons are just out to get women. And Charlotte's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little nip tuck here and there if it's going to make you feel better. Um, And then they kind of make a joke about how they're drinking non-alcoholic wine to be supportive of Miranda since she quit cold turkey and that's very easy as they've made it seem it's just a breeze you just have to decide and dump it all down the drain and then you're done um and then Miranda admits the Che business to Charlotte and Charlotte doesn't take it that well Um, there's one line I want to call out here, which is disgusting, which is that (laughs) Charlotte's like, you had an affair, you're having an affair. And Miranda's like, it was not an affair. It was a finger, which like, (laughs) you're having fever dreams about a finger. (laughs) (laughs) It's like legally technically true, but I can't imagine describing that sort of intercourse in that way a more disgusting way to describe a it finger it also like a finger she made it sound like sexy and romantic to start with she's like yeah we we had sex in carrie's kitchen and then to like downplay it to try and de-escalate she's like it was just a finger <laughs> <laughs> i hate it i hate it although i do um, like that someone said it's an affair because i will say like no one has said that yet. Like, when Carrie confronts her about it in the last episode, she's upset about it because it's like her life is falling apart. You know, she doesn't really stand up for Steve. And they don't really hear either. But I was like, justice for Steve. Like, watching through this, I was like, <laughs> if they're all friends with him, do they – why is no one saying anything? You know, it's like – because I'm so glad that someone brought up the fact that it's not just like – you had crazy, messy sex with, like, Carrie's boss. It's, like, the real upsetting thing about this is that she's having an affair. 
and hurting a person that they care about. So I'm glad someone said something. Yeah. Um, it's nice to get this scene because I too didn't feel like the Carrie and Miranda scene like is good. And it does get at the fact that like Miranda's unhappy or whatever, but it doesn't feel like full closure for me as the audience member being like, what the fuck? Whereas like this scene does because Charlotte is that like vessel in that way. Right. Right. Um, then we get the most hilarious turn. I I don't know how I reacted to it the first time, but this time I laughed out loud because Charlotte's freaking out about all these things. And then she says like, well, this is something. It's not nothing. It's something. And then Carrie's like, you know what something is? Big dying. That's <laughs> something. I'm like, how did you manage to make this scene about Miranda's sexuality about you? So many, how did we get here? I'm sorry, Carrie. I'm so sorry that you lost your husband. So many things are happening in this scene that do not involve you or your husband's death. It's such a leap. It is. It is a genuinely funny laugh out loud line because it's like it. it it's just out of nowhere, and I don't even really understand the point that she's making. Right? Like, what is the what is she trying to say? Is like you can't be upset about this because an affair is less hurtful to someone than their spouse dying. Like, is she trying to say yeah, at least Miranda's alive? Steve will be fine. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even follow what she's saying. It's just she's like hasn't spoken in a while and is like, well, my husband's dead. And then they like keep talking. <laughs> like and then she spoken. hijacks the whole scene, which is the crazy part of it. Is they're like, yeah, you're right. Your husband did die. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> And then it like ends on this note of Charlotte because, you know, it's clear that Charlotte, you know, is having a hard time accepting this new Miranda because she's also having a hard time accepting, you know, her child's changing identity. And she like pushes Miranda being like, what are you? What is this? Like, are you gay now? Like all these kinds of questions. And Miranda's like, I don't know. And then it ends on this note of like Charlotte being like, I just wish things wouldn't change. And then Carrie's like, yeah, but at least your stuff isn't permanent, like death. Like what? You can't. <laughs> I know. Like, I you know can't you- just write off your friend struggling with her sexuality, and then your other friend who's like dealing with their child's changing identity, and be like, "Well, those things aren't permanent, and they're not as important as my husband isn't dying, and you can come back from these things." So have pity on me. Like, what are we talking about? I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, an abs- just an absurd reaction to have, and also again. I don't even really follow her point because like changing sexuality, identity, like a lot of that stuff is permanent also. So I I still don't even follow her point. It's just she really needed to make it about her in that moment. And so she said a thing that where I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. But that's exactly it's like they're having issues and you can't tell them to just like shut up. I have a dead husband. (laughs) It's such a weird response as a friend. We're not talking about you right now. It's such a good carry response, though. (laughs) It's so good to be like, wait, silence. I haven't spoken. And my recent trauma trumps all your recent traumas. Because my husband, who is questionable at best, is dead now. (laughs) Because my dick of a husband (laughs) died in my arms. When I could have called 911 and saved him. Sorry, I said it. 
I mean, you want to talk about permanent. <laughs> Let's talk about that mistake that I have to live Let's talk with. about that. Let's talk about going and fixing that. It's so funny. And then it like works. You know, it like calms them down. That would just make me 10 times more mad. Yeah. The fact that if I was like, like in the middle of having a fight with my friend and then someone else was like, calm down. I have a dead husband. I'd be like, you <laughs> stay the fuck out of this. I would be fighting both of them. And it's so 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 priceless especially like miranda like storms off and she's like we already lost samantha and my husband <laughs> it's like, we don't miss him about? first of all <laughs> good riddance yeah she's like i can't I lose also... you too it's like all right yeah so they come together at the end of the scene and then we see we cut to carrie coming out of her apartment in full diwali gear ready for the party um and Seema comes to pick her up in the car and Carrie shows up at the house you know we see that everybody is dressed and all the decorations and all the food and all that and then Carrie starts talking to Seema's parents and they mention Seema's boyfriend Dennis who we know doesn't exist because she's never mentioned him um and they're like oh you know we haven't met him yet what's he like and you know carrie covers for sema which is shocking for her and um later they're in the car driving back home and uh you know carrie kind of confronts sema about all this being like dennis really and sema you know, I think it's a good moment of Seema being like, yeah, you know, I I invented that he was white so that when I broke up with him later, like, they wouldn't be that hurt. And, like, she really defends that she's okay being alone, but she doesn't want to have to, you know, she doesn't say disappoint her parents, but, like, deal with this weight from her parents all the time. Carrie admits that she hates the apartment, and then Seema's like, great, we'll just sell it. Cool. Um, and then gives her like a little, uh, I don't know how to describe, kind of like thread rope bracelet. Um, let me start with like the outfit because I think that's like the big elephant in the room. If you want to talk about appropriation, I think there's a kind of knee-jerk reaction to seeing white people in particular wearing something that is like not of their culture that I think is actually very American. Like um, – Maybe just within the diaspora, but I, I feel like it's also very particular to American culture. Uh, I I think there is something that people will immediately call appropriation if like a white person is partaking in culture that is like not theirs, which I don't think is necessarily fair. I think people are allowed to feel what they're going to feel. I don't think there's like a wrong reaction you can have to this and people come from different experiences with this. But like, I actually think that's maybe... A dangerous instinct to be like people should only stay to the cultures that they identify with at birth but the example I would use with this is my dad who like who is actually Indian grew up in India um I did not and he I remember this there was this one music video from um Selena Gomez come and get it where she like there's like a bongra beat to it she's like wearing i think a bindi she's like where, there's like a kind of a lot of like south asian influences in it and i remember this video getting a lot of slack and like appropriation is a controversial selena gomez makes headlines whatever dad who is not 
plugged in to the pop culture whatsoever, got like emailed a link about this from like his buddies or whatever, and then called me into his office to be like, look at this video. And he showed it and he was like, isn't that amazing? Indian culture is so hip now. Like, I'm telling you, it's the next generation. <laughs> Listen to that beat. Like, they're using Indian beats. Like, isn't that like, I don't know who this person is, but she seems to be a pop star. Look at these views. You know, like he was so excited and like he and his friends were sharing this video. And I feel like that really dawned on me this experience I've had kind of for the rest of my life of like, oh, I think like this is kind of an American take is to be like, you can't touch these things. Because I think for a lot of other people, it's just exciting to like see your culture get represented in like a mainstream American way. You know what I mean? Like that's can just be exciting. That doesn't mean that just to see it, you should be grateful, to be clear. Like there are insulting depictions of it. But like just seeing a person wearing what Sarah Jessica Parker is wearing I think actually on its own is quite cool, right? Especially with a show that's so fashion focused and fashion forward and she's such a fashionista. Like, you know, that's a, it's so interesting to see like a like people of color get to be like cool in fashion, like in fashion. Cause like, that's usually like Europe's thing, right? It's like gonna be like, we have like Italian fashion is always cool. French cuisine is like good cuisine, you know, classical music. It's like Europe gets to be like prestigious and cool all the time, right? And it's kind of cool to see non-European cultures not just be like weird and exotic. Like this episode could have gone way off the rails. It could have been Sarah Jessica Parker mm-hmm. going to this party and being like, everyone's wearing weird things and then made a joke about like Seema in uh, Sorry and being like, I would love to show up in a robe sometime. That looks comfortable. You know, it's like <laughs> it could have been a nightmare of yeah. exoticism, but it was actually like, that's really cool and I want to wear it, which I actually don't have a problem with. I don't have problems with people who do have a problem with it. But I'm just saying I actually think that that's unironically cool is that Miss Fashionista was like, that's really pretty. Can I wear it? And I think people also were upset about the like the flower situation going on in her hair. And I'm going to say, okay, yeah, sure. It's weird. But like it's kind of in character for Carrie because we see Carrie wear a lot of weird quirky stuff and like add weird accessories and like make it her own. And it's like I could actually believe that Carrie like picked this outfit and then did this thing in her hair. I think maybe some audiences saw that and thought that this is normal is to put all those flowers in the hair. And like, that's a shame that they like walked away from this thinking like, oh, yeah, Indians like to put flowers in their hair like this for Diwali, which they don't. That's just Carrie being Carrie. Um, But like, I think that that's in character for her is to like come up with a thing. Um, And the outfit she picks is by like a, a famous Indian designer or whatever, you know, so there's like there's a. There's a lot about this outfit that I actually do like and I don't want to get lost. And I'm, I'm sorry for being on a soapbox for so long, but I, you know, I know that this was a moment that got a lot of attention and I do want to like emphasize some of the positives about it and maybe kind of step back away from the, the knee jerk, which I totally get. I totally get that response to it. But like, it's also kind of cool, honestly. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, yeah, I agree with everything that you said. And I think two things here. One, you're totally right. This could have been a lot worse. (laughs) They have done worse. Mm. We have seen them do worse. And this is like, at least it's passable. This is just like a nice time about, you know, celebrating this culture. And I think that that's something that you were speaking to that I think is at the crux is like understanding what it is to respect a culture, I think is sometimes hard in the u.s yeah yeah i think people don't understand what it means to respect a culture and 
I think that this portrayal is pretty respectful in terms of like, you're right. Like there aren't a lot of like, you know, they don't make cheap jokes. They, they, you know, they give the dress its big moment, like all these um, things that are trying to speak to the fact that they're just, you know, Carrie's trying to understand Seema and this is a part of Seema's life. And so we're along for the ride. And I feel like that, you know, is a big part of it as opposed to just, the usual criticisms we have of people wearing people's culture, like as a Halloween costume, right. Or like mm-hmm. all these other things, like it's disrespectful. Yeah. It comes to the fact that you don't care to find out about the celebration. I mentioned earlier, I, I don't think it's a crime, but my one nitpick is all the scenes with the plastic surgery. We could have put that in a different episode. Mm. And I feel like we could have spent more time with this celebration. I feel like we could have spent more time you know, with Carrie maybe coming to some sort of epiphany about, you know, light triumphing over dark. Like, I feel like that's a nice image. I feel like we could have had more. We could have inserted a random hijink into the party, you know, maybe with Dennis. Um, Like we see like, like Seema has like a fake picture of him. Yeah. Something, you know, like I, I honestly wanted more, Mm -hmm. but I totally agree with everything that you said. And I do think people had a knee jerk reaction just because this show is Bonko and does not handle things well. But I agree that this is one of the few things that I think they did handle well. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think there's like a definitely underappreciate. I love that idea of like spending more time at the party. We actually like learn a little bit more about the holiday and like actually have hijinks about it. Um, And like, it's like a fun holiday episode, you know, as we saw season two is just holiday episodes. Like we can really commit here and, and go all out. And like, that could be fun. Um, And then I'd be remiss, obviously, if I don't mention the elephant in the room, we've talked all about the positives. I do have to mention the negative. Once again, this show, (laughs) even when it does good things, it, fumbles at the last minute and it's always in like a if we like I feel like you and I whenever we make a correction to the show it's something small that changes the whole thing do you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a tiny tweak um she's not wearing a sari <laughs> yeah so this one is what I was thinking about in the shower is because I'm like Rough. how did this happen my it's like my my best theory for this is like so they either just didn't even bother to look up what a lehenga is, which is what she's wearing, and it's the two-piece thing. I, As far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, by the way. Do not do not quote me. I am just like a wee half Indian who grew up in New York. So I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But like the – I think it's an appropriate thing to wear. It's just like a lehenga is like two pieces, you know what I mean, like that. And the sari is mm-hmm. like not stitched. It's like one continuous – thing around you know what I mean if you if you just do a quick google of the two you'll sort of see what I'm talking about like I I feel like they just decided to wave it away because they're like we're introducing too many words you know what I mean we we already said Uh Diwali and we already said sorry and and people kind of maybe heard of the word sorry so like it's fine and they either did that or they just didn't even bother to look up like costumes did not get the memo that that line was there or and they just didn't care some you know whatever it's either incompetence or like you know whatever that is what's disrespectful. You know what I mean? I don't think <laughs> Carrie, like, wearing it is... This is the problem. Is like, Michael Patrick King, the menace of my life, um, <laughs> is, like, like why... It's such an easy thing to change, is just change yeah. that line. Like, I saw an outfit that caught my eye, and then we would have been 
like fully in the clear. But like articles came out after this being like, what's a sorry and what's a lehenga? You know what I mean? Like it yeah. caught so much flack <laughs> because of this thing. Um, and I, I, it's perplexing. Again, in the shower, water <laughs> dripping down my head, my like hands on the side of the wall. Like, why did he do this? I think it's incompetence because I think about me and like, I know what a sari is. Like, I know that it's the the draped fabric. Um, I know that the two-piece, like, lehenga is different, but I didn't know necessarily that it had na- that name. Now, if I was writing this episode, mm. would I probably Google it? Yeah. Right. Because you, yeah. But my guess is that they were like, oh, sorry, it's a catch-all term. Mm-hmm. Which. Right. And then again, classic. costume department was just sort of like, we're going to get a fun outfit. Some some communication fell through here because they got the Although they got the Indian designer to do it. You know what I mean. So like, there's a couple steps here where someone could have just like not told them that they were supposed to be getting a sorry. I'm gonna be generous and say it was an oversight. It's still you know you're done goofed, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, embarrassing is the right. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I like that explanation more than the more insidious. They don't care. It's a whatever thing because that. <laughs> That's just so awful. But like, yeah, it, it is it is embarrassing. And I absolutely know you would have Googled it, Marina. You would have been on that shit. I would have been on it. Um, and if I wasn't, I would have said, you know what? My husband's dead. So <laughs> so you can't come for me. Haters. You can't you can't say it. They bring you on the writer's because... pod and they're like, Marina, what do you have to say for yourself? Um, my husband has just died. <laughs> so why am I here? <laughs> um <laughs> And so that plot kind of wraps up and Carrie gets home and we see that she puts on her very famous Carrie nameplate necklace and looks in the mirror. And I guess she accepts her face. No plastic surgery. It's just like clunky. And the red thread is like a Hindu thing. Like it's like a, you know, I, and the, the, she says like triumphs over resilience or something. It's like, that's what the end just like that should have been, right? Is about the like the bracelet and yeah, the sort of the like the meaning of this holiday that she's given her or something. And it's so weird to yeah, exactly. Hard pivot to like and just like that back to the plastic surgery thing. Yeah, it's like why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Um very strange. And we get and just like that I remembered how much I loved the last 15 years alluding to the fact that the plastic surgeon was like, we could take away 15 years, like right now, like make you look 15 years younger. Um, which again, like how does that relate to the SEMA thing at all? It doesn't. It doesn't. And then we get this like momentous montage that continues after the end, just like that. Um, we see that Carrie's in her apartment and she's got all the storage boxes around her and she opens one of them and it's full of big suits and she like takes one of the coats out and she also like plays a record of his. So it's like alluding to the fact that she's like, you know, trying to get over this hump. Um, Charlotte removes the dolls, packs them all neatly and like rock covers the rose, you know, name over the bed. Um, Miranda is in her laundry room doing laundry and then decides to hit up Che. Everyone has such sweet <laughs> things. And then that happens and you're like, God, no. <laughs> Let it in. <laughs> I hate it because I know it won't. Oh, God, I, I forgot to mention. 
again, she DMs them because Che was not, you know, kind enough to give Miranda or interested enough to give Miranda their number. Um, so Miranda <laughs> literally DMs and is like, hey, it's Rambo. And I think it shows the likes or sorry, the followers or whatever on Che's account. And I just thought it was kind of funny. I can't remember what the actual number was. I'm finding my notes, but it's like not that high for for like a podcaster <laughs> who's supposed to be the main draw here. I'm like, oh, wait, I thought you were like Netflix special comedian. This is like you have a couple hit tweets. You know what I mean? This is like you <laughs> yeah, just have yeah. your pussy up. I don't know what this is about. <laughs> I don't know. Che Diaz exposed a fraud fraudulent fraudulent i know i just hate the way that i just there's something that drives me crazy about the way that miranda's like hey it's rambo like it's not a cute <laughs> name god yeah what what a weird image anyway then carrie walks out of the apartment in a you know classic carrie floofy prom dress but also wearing big's coat I guess a sign that she's moving on it's weird because there's like cute stuff here and then there's just like and then we get interrupted by stuff i mean though that isn't isn't that the end just like that way is to get moments of cuteness that keep getting interrupted because i think that there was a nice idea here of like carrie is in the stage of grief where you're just trying not to think about the thing and thinking yeah. that that makes it go away and then the end realizes actually that doesn't make it go away. It just makes it surprise you when it does come up and then you're not ready for it. What you do need yeah. is to like face it and embrace it head on. And she like puts the coat on, right? There's like, oh, that's a really nice idea. Gee, I really would have loved <laughs> that. That seems like a nice thing to work an episode around, don't you think? But no, we had the beeping. Well, no, but she also had 10 other plots that ten were others, the plastic yeah. surgery and the Dwelly party. Like that's... Yeah, it was a little clunky, the execution there, because I think what they were building to here is like, it's a new chapter for these three characters. They're mm. all embarking on a new chapter. Like Carrie's chapter is her chapter without Big. Charlotte's chapter is, you know, her child's identity and, and you know, what it means to be a parent. And Miranda's new chapter is Che. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's JDS. I don't know why I kind of sound like Trump every time I say it. I don't hear that at all, which makes me concerned. I, I, that actually is funnier of you to say that because I did not hear that at all. And now I have to. Miranda, it's me. JDS. <laughs> like, that's how I feel like it sounds when I do it. It's the hands that really sells it. Yeah. It's the little hands that enunciate, make it all okay. I heard you were finger blasted in the kitchen. Don't do that <laughs> ever again. <laughs> okay. I will. <laughs> hey, my husband died. <laughs> I can say what I want. Yeah, who the fuck are you to say yeah, that to who me? Who the fuck are you? Anytime a joke doesn't land, excuse me, my husband died. <laughs> You're not laughing. Have you ever been married? Shh. shh, shh. My husband died. He's dead. Dead in the ground. He's dead. Okay, I'm done. I'm so I swear that's the last one. <laughs> I had to get that one out. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, 
We made it to the end. We did it. And we end all our podcasts the same way with our rose and thorn, our peak, our low. Emily, what was your get them of this episode? My low, my low of this episode. It's hard because I I feel like I want to change it, honestly, to like the overstuffed plots of Carrie, actually. Now that we've Mm. talked about it, I think that makes me angrier again i was gonna make it andre but i feel like that's too easy (laughs) um i think i think it's gonna be this is like let her breathe a little bit like let the plots breathe a little bit let's pick one and then kind of commit to it and escalate it and have fun with it yeah i would say mine i think i have to choose miranda coming while talking to her son Oof. i don't like it i don't like it and i never want to see that again Never again. No. What was your release the Kraken? My release the Kraken would be the fight between Charlotte and Miranda before Carrie comes in and derails the whole thing. (laughs) I mean, this is weird, but I just want to see more fighting, I guess. The only scenes that have been, like, consistently good are when they, like, get into it. You know what I mean? For some reason, that is when the writers turn on and they're like, we know these characters. We know their histories. We know what they would say to each other in this situation we're cooking with gas it's like whatever they have some sort of like fight everything like becomes real so i guess that's my weird release the kraken is like (laughs) fight 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 (laughs) break up with the chair yeah yeah (laughs) um i feel like i think there were actually a couple good things about this episode but i think i'll give it to jonathan groff only because Mm. Yes, it is so you made the point and it's so true. There are few characters that come on this reboot and are able to assess the situation. They're able to make an assessment and figure out like what am I supposed to do in the scene and then like elevate it. Um because we've seen a lot of pretty bad doctor scenes and I don't think it's on the actors. I think the text is bad, but this was, you know, cute surprise and, um, you know, a peek behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I'm getting vulnerable now. Vulnerable music. I went to my dermatologist the other day for like a checkup and stuff. And as I was, you know, it's he's the kind of dermatologist where they also do like laser treatments and like Botox there as well. And I was like, you know, um, what do you think? Like, should I start thinking about Botox? Or like, what's your opinion on that? And he did the same thing that Jonathan Croft does here, where he just stared blankly at my face for like a good 30 seconds. He was like, huh, let let, let me think about that. And then he just stared at my face, like this scene. And I was like, it's too real. Oh my God. It's too real. I mean, he like stared at my face and then he was like, you know, like raise your eyebrows, make a really happy face, make a really sad face. Like he asked me to like make all these different faces and he was like, you're good. And I was like, okay. I would feel completely naked. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I was like, and so it's like, not only was Jonathan Groff funny yeah, and like got where he was, but true to life, he did his damn research. Dang, okay. Dramaturg, Jonathan Groff. (laughs) <laughs> dramaturg <laughs> scholar jonathan groff Jeez, that's haunting <sighs> thank you for sharing that is, with us is is it bad that i praised a man um for his performance at the end of this woman's show 
yeah, that's the worst thing that's happened in the past like hour and a half. Cool, 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 Is it bad that I praised a man? <laughs> Such a funny question. <laughs> well, that was and just like that, season one, episode six. Thank you so much for joining us, for listening, for following, for liking, for subscribing, for chatting, for high fiving. Thank you for joining us. If you didn't do any of those things, you can do them now. And we'll see you next time next Wednesday. Bye.